Well, at the very outset of this video, I want to wish everyone a very happy and blessed 2021. We are now in lockdown once again. And our leadership at Blessings determined that we would not have uh, Vesper services Sunday evenings, but would instead release video messages. And we will release these messages Sunday evening, but they're for your consumption at any point during the week. The idea is that you watch these messages and then discuss them with your small groups. And so Pastor Hilmer and I will be sure at the conclusion of each of these messages to leave some discussion questions for you. You may notice that this video is not being professionally produced. Uh, the sound quality may not be great. The picture may not be clear. And that's because I'm still in quarantine. I had the opportunity over Christmas to visit my oldest son in the U.S. and then I had to quarantine for 14 days and that ends today and so very soon I hope to be able to get back to the church and to my office where we have a little better equipment that I can use here in my house. In any case, Pastor Hilmer and I determined that we were going to offer messages about the Ten Commandments and we're titling this series The Good Neighborhood. I borrowed that expression from the late Patrick Miller who taught Old Testament theology for many years at Princeton Theological Seminary. I think it's a wonderful way for us to think of the Ten Commandments as the Ten Commandments providing the marks of a good neighborhood. If we were to pursue the Ten Commandments, we, we would be able to create a neighborhood that is desirable. In fact, a neighborhood that is enviable. A neighborhood in which we feel at home and are at home. So the good neighborhood is the way we're going to think of the Ten Commandments. For those of you who are familiar with uh, the Bible and know how the Bible begins in Genesis 1, you may know that at ten different points we read, And God said. And now in the Ten Commandments we find ten words. That's how the Ten Commandments are actually described literally in the Hebrew text. Ten words that suggest that God is going to create something new. He's going to create a new neighborhood in the world through his people Israel. And these commandments, you know, address every arena of life, whether it's worship or whether it's uh, marriage or whether it's property or whether it's desire. And I think we know that if there is disrespect for parents or if there is workaholism or if there is greed or if there is racism well that's not a place where you have a good neighborhood the ten commandments are introduced with a preamble a wonderful preamble which goes like this the lord says i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery in that preamble we see the ground for Israel's moral life, why they should obey. Well, it's because God has delivered them from Egyptian slavery. This is ground that is common for all the neighbors in Israel. They all had to be familiar with that story. Not just those who experienced the Exodus themselves, but successive generations. And if you read the Bible, you discover that there were times when Israel uh, centuries later would reenact the story of the Exodus in, for example, the Passover and the Feast of Booths. 
I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That is the ground for Israel's moral life, but it's also the charter for Israel's mission. They were to imitate the Lord, and it's clear from the preamble that the Lord is someone who is attentive to others, who cares for others, who redeems others. Israel had to imitate the Father, and in obeying the Ten Commandments, they would be imitating the Father. I find it so interesting that the great church father, Augustine, fourth and fifth centuries, says somewhere that when Israel obeyed the Ten Commandments, they were foreshadowing the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. So every arena of life is addressed in the, in the Ten Commandments, and yet there's a kind of structure and a kind of movement. The opening words are, I am the Lord your God, and the final words are, everything that belongs to your neighbor. So there are two concerns that you have in the Ten Commandments. One is the Lord, and the other is neighbor. I find this so interesting, because you know that in our society, we're told to follow our hearts, to believe in ourselves, to pursue our own adventures. But in the Ten Commandments, our attention is directed away from ourselves to the Lord and to neighbor. Those are the individuals we should be concerned about before ourselves. So let's think first of all about what love for the Lord means in the Ten Commandments. Well, we are to obey him and he alone must have our ultimate allegiance and loyalty and not any neighbor. This is what distinguishes the Ten Commandments from virtually every other law code of any nation contemporary to Israel. If you read the Assyrian law code, for example, you will discover a law where if there's any criticism of the king, for instance, any suggestion of insurrection, the culprit would be reported to the king and immediately executed. In the Ten Commandments, we are told that ultimate loyalty and obedience is given only to the Lord and not to any neighbor. And yet, as we read through the Ten Commandments, we discover there are phenomenal protections for neighbors, which is what makes the way for a good neighborhood. Do not kill, obviously, is meant to uh, protect the life of one's neighbor, but do not steal envisions not just protecting one's neighbor's property, but protecting one's neighbor's life. Because when these uh, commandments are expanded upon elsewhere in Deuteronomy, for example, we, are discovered, we discover that we are not to steal people. We are not to kidnap. Do not commit adultery. It's not only relevant for my marriage and for my spouse and me, but it's relevant for my neighbor's marriage. Adultery has terrible effects on one's neighbor's marriages. Now, what is, what is so fascinating about the Ten Commandments is that the first time we encounter this category of neighbor, it envisions someone whose life is difficult. And that's in the Fourth Commandment, where we are told not to work. In fact, the Fourth Commandment, I learned this from uh, Yen Hoche's father, Dr. Hoche's, who taught ethics and theology, that the Fourth Commandment in some ways is addressed to household masters, many of whom, all of whom probably had slaves, and they were to provide rest 
for the male servant and the female servant. There is concern in the law for neighbors whose lives were difficult, for slaves. They are to be refreshed. They are to enjoy rest just like everyone else. And then in that same fourth commandment, you discover that neighbor also includes those who didn't belong to the ethnic family of Israel. There were protections and provisions for refreshment for sojourners and strangers and refugees and resident aliens. And you discover in the, in the books of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers that resident aliens certainly did not enjoy all the privileges Israelites did. And yet, in so many places, they are regarded as equal with Israelites, as citizens of Israel. They are to hear this law, and they are to know that even if they're a sojourner, even a resident alien in Israel, they too, on the Sabbath, are to enjoy rest and refreshment. And then thirdly, and finally, the other interesting category for neighbor that we find is the natural world. Animals and lands and fields. They too, cattle, oxen, donkeys, fields, are to be provided rest on the seventh day. And it's clear that this isn't uh, merely out of Israelite self-interest. It is for others. I'm just going to grab my, I don't know, my Bible's uh, shut, so I can't read it. But if you look at Exodus 23, verse 10, you find a bit of an expansion of the fourth commandment, where the land is to rest so that the, the wild animals, it says, can uh, enjoy its uh, provisions. Well, as we begin to conclude, I think we often view the Ten Commandments as restrictive, and I want uh, Pastor Helmer and I to demonstrate to you that actually this is the pathway to freedom. It's not absolute freedom. It's more like, as my friend Peter Lightheart would say, the freedom of an acorn to become the best possible oak tree there is. It's not the freedom of an acorn to become a maple tree, but it's the freedom of an acorn to become the best possible oak tree there is. By following these commandments, and of course, in the New Testament, we're going to apply them and interpret them a little bit differently. But if we follow these commandments, we can live the life that God designed for us. We can be the best possible humans we can be. So here in the Ten Commandments, we have the marks of a good neighborhood. If we as a community follow these commandments, now in a New Testament way, we will create in this world a good neighborhood. I promised you two questions to discuss in your small groups. I made the point that God's liberating Israel from Egypt provides the ground for Israel's moral life, why they should obey, and the charter for Israel's mission, how they should live. In the New Covenant, it's Christ liberating us from the slavery of sin, death, and Satan that provides us the ground for our moral lives, why we should obey, and the charter for our mission, how we should live. I want to ask you how this perspective revolutionizes our typical understanding of the law, of commandments, and of obedience. Why must we ultimately obey? And what does our obedience accomplish? And then secondly, I want us to think about those categories of neighbor that I talked about. The slave, the resident alien, and 
the natural world, animals, and land. How can we in today's world ensure rest and refreshment and protection for those in our society who would compare to resident aliens and slaves? And how can we ensure that animals and land enjoy refreshment as we do once a week on our day of rest? I hope these questions generate fruitful and interesting discussion. Till next time.